Hello and welcome to the Nevermind Polly podcast. My name is Matt, I am your host, and we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world. How is everybody doing? I hope everybody is good. Just want to do a little quick intro before the actual podcast to say a massive thank you to everybody who has supported the podcast over the last few months. And in particular, the last couple of episodes have done really well for us. So thank you so much for all your love and support as always. Um, everything's really, really good in podcast land. Um, I don't really have much really more to say than that. But thank you for listening. This conversation is with Carl of the band Threshold. If you don't know who Threshold are, Threshold are a prog rock metal band. Um, from the UK, they are just about to release their 12th studio album, Dividing Lines, which is fucking fantastic on the fantastic Nuclear Blast Records. Um, we are a big fan of Nuclear Blast over here on the podcast. Want to do a massive shout out and a massive thank you to Carl for coming on and giving me his time. I'd like to do a massive shout out to Nuclear Blast for sorting this out for us. Um, and thank you guys, you guys for listening. You guys are fucking awesome. You guys have been smashing it, and we have lots of exciting things in the pipeline for 2023. Um, that's all I really need to say at this point. See you on the other side. Cheers. Hi guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Polly podcast. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world, and this week is no exception, except it is an exception because we're talking to an exceptionally great band. See what I did there? I'm talking to, <laughs> sorry, the guitarist of Threshold, Carl. How are you doing, sir? How's things? Uh, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I, I do apologise for the terrible pun. I don't usually do a pun at the start of a podcast, but I just... I felt I felt like it. It's a I don't know what day we're on a we're on you, Tuesday, uh, so you, you seem like a natural. <laughs> <laughs> I try to, I try to. How's how's your how's your Tuesday been? Has it been okay? First and foremost, yeah. I, I just I'm working. You know, I, I, when it came to the the pandemic, I instead of working in the studio all the time, I, I set a room up at home, and um, fortunately, I found a room that sounds probably acoustically even better than the studio. I can only mix here, but I mean. Mm -hmm. So I've got into the habit of doing that and it's kind of been really handy to, to be able to work at home. And uh, if I don't have anyone that I'm working with, I'm at home. So I'm basically mixing bands most of the time. Uh, and that's what I do uh, all week and sometimes even at the weekend. For sure, for sure. And as I briefly said before we started recording, um, the band Threshold, of, I'm a fan of you guys. I have been for, for a little while. And it is a case of, I was sort of, Going into your kind of history as a musician and producer and what you do, it's you've got a checkered and long, long history, my friend, in terms of a lot of things done in, in, a, in a relatively short space of time. How do you, because mm. you're, you're about to release the 12th studio record. That's mm. a hell of an achievement. Not many bands get to record three. To have 12 out there is, is a hell of an achievement. Um, it's probably a mystery to us as well, really, because... <laughs> it, we never tried to even get signed I and mean, we were just uh, a bunch of friends that uh, some of us like metal some like prog and we we pulled our sort of ideas and so we were still friends instead of arguing about what we would do and, and we came into this sort of genre somehow um and we we were asked to do a track for a, a compilation album on a, uh, a magazine Amazing. and uh, we did that 
a, I think it was SI magazine in Netherlands, and um, we did a track called Intervention. And as a result of that, we got offered two record deals. And, um, and, and it was a bit of a shock. So we said, we better start writing something serious now. Then <laughs> we better put some effort into this. And, uh, and that's how Wounded Land happened. And uh, it was only expected to be something relatively small. The label thought, well, they're totally unknown. Maybe they'll sell a thousand copies. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, we've, we've gone a long way beyond that. Um, I think 15,000 or something within the first month. Amazing. And it, it sort of took off beyond their expectations. And um, we had to start thinking seriously about what we were going to do. They said, well, you better go on tour now. And we thought, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we play gigs, obviously, but we were only used to playing in our local pubs and things. And, uh, and things just sort of continue to bloom from there. And uh, we just love playing music. So it's always been based around that. It started off as friends playing music and it just kept getting more serious, but we, we never lost that enjoyment of playing live, which is what we started off doing. And, uh, and the bands just kept going and, and all of a sudden we have 12 albums and it's now very difficult to structure a, a set list for live. Too many songs. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing that I always, I, I kind of have um, two ways of, of looking at it. So I have the very enthusiastic uh, fan perspective, which I have 98% of my life in terms of music is like, right, everything's for the good of the band, for the music, for, whatever, for, the, for the fans, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's like the 2%, the cynical in me, in saying that you get a band, like, uh, and I'm not going to show throw shade, but a, a big band, you know, a, an arena-ready band mm -hmm. who will put out a, a subpar record, but they use one or two songs to add to the set list. You mm -hmm. guys are not that in that respect because it is just a case of every single record is kind of different, slightly mm -hmm. variations on the last thing. So with 12 records under your belt, uh, up we're coming out Friday, how do you kind of like not repeat yourself? If that makes sense. I, I know that seems like a, yeah. a strange question, but. I, I know what you mean. I mean, there, there is a specific way I do it personally in so much as I will never use a piece of music that didn't fit on a previous album. And I always try to write within the period just preceding when we're going to record. So you know, within a year or something, I think Richard and I will sort of get together and say, we, we feel like we're in a position where we're ready to write music again. Mm. And then um, I, I will just start with a blank page then. And, and, and that's always difficult, but mm. I mean, um, it shouldn't be easy to write good music. That's the whole point. It shouldn't be something you can just rattle off. Absolutely. Um, so we, we start from a point of view like that. So it, I really, it's, oh, having 12 albums, I suppose it's, it would be very easy to keep repeating things. So that's the whole reason mm. to move on. To, to have a separation between albums and uh, I think that keeps me fresh anyway and um, you know the motivation is really only to write music that I would want to hear you know it's sort of the reason we we started like I said we blended those two styles mm. I, I didn't know about bands that are progressive metal at the time the only bands I could think of when we started were Queens where I can fate's warning were the only two that could fit into what we call this genre now there was no sure. title for it at the time so I, I really couldn't necessarily find the music that I wanted to hear so we, we started writing that music that was the motivation and I really don't see the point in writing a new album unless it's going to be something I would be excited to, to hear Absolutely. Um, I expect someone else to, to listen to it if I'm just going through the motions so uh, so we always move on from one to the next um, each time absolutely do you get a, do you get a sense of um, sort of nerves or anticipation before releasing a record with, with the terms of the fan base uh, and how they'll react to, to certain songs and, and things? 
yes, but not in the same way as it used to be, because um, there's something being lost over the years um, in the release date. The release date used to be something that the band would get nervous about and you get excited at the same time you come to it and then it would be a big release and everything would come out. But yeah. now, of course, it's all drip fed, isn't it? You've got a single yeah. here and another track there. And I think they'll hear four, yeah, probably a third of the album before it comes out. And uh, and then people said, oh, yeah, the new Threshold album's out. It's, it's not the exciting moment that yeah. it was. It's when I was growing up as a child, you know, I'd go to the record store and order a CD and, you know, I'd have to let them know that I wanted it, you know, because maybe it wasn't something that was popular. And the excitement yeah. would build and build for me and I'd go and collect it and I'd play that album 10 times in a row, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I think some of that has been lost a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I used to get irritated by that, but now I trust the label completely. They know what they're doing. And yeah. I think this is the, the way that people like to consume music now anyway. So I accept that. But I do feel there's a lack of occasion on mm -hmm. a release date. You know, sure. Not just for our albums, but mm. when I find something I want to hear and it comes out, you know, I would have heard three tracks already and because I can't wait. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And Absolutely. then, uh, well, I do notice there are a few people that strictly try and avoid that and they, they won't hear it until the release date. So they're obviously trying to generate that excitement of the whole album in one go. And the other thing is there's been a few uh, prominent sort of rock and metal bands over the years that have just dropped an album just out of the blue completely. Um, sort of been mm. no sort of press hype or anything like that. Just literally, bang, there's the record on Spotify, yeah. Apple, in music stores. Um, is that something that we might see for album 13? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we don't have that level of control over nuclear blasts that other, that other bands sure. might. <laughs> I mean, we do have, a, we do have a, a, sort of an agreement with them when we first signed them that we, we would be completely in control artistically. Mm -hmm. um, so we would always be able to uh, dictate what music, and they never hear that music until we finished it mixed yeah. it mastered it and, it and they can't do anything about it we've got that agreement mm -hmm. but by the same token <laughs> they have an agreement in terms of you know they're, they're completely in charge of promotion we do what we're told and um you know we do the promotion for them and and things will come out as we want uh, the only thing we can influence is you know what singles will come out but you know they know their job and we know our job and we have you know they're they're easily the best label that we've ever been on because mm -hmm. They're completely honest and we have a good working relationship with them. So I have no complaints, but um, yeah, we, we don't exert that level of authority over Nuclear Blast. <laughs> and from, from the contact that I've had with Nuclear Blast being what I do here, they're the loveliest bunch of people as well. Um, couldn't couldn't yeah. be more, more accommodating. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're very happy. And, and we, we re-signed a new deal, oh, must have been for Legends of the Shires uh, for another three albums. And um, we just re-signed our back catalogue again, uh, and we're, we're going with them. And I don't foresee a time when I would leave them. So uh, that's, we're right. very happy. Yeah, amazing stuff. I, lo I love that. So not to take this on a, on a downward trajectory, but this is the first album in six years. The world is very different from mm -hmm. where it was six years ago. How do you kind of feel as a musician in a, in a post pandemic -y world kind of everything that's kind of gone on the last couple of years how has that kind of or has that affected your art and outlook on things um i mean it's been five years rather than six so it was 2017 sure. i think but I, yeah i know what you mean it's quite a long time <laughs> yeah uh, i think um pandemic sort of upset uh, our, our touring schedule really because we had some really great plans for tours new new territories we hadn't been to before and it ruined that mm. um 
the album was quite popular and we got offered a lot of things we wouldn't have done before. So um, we were in the process of touring, but it didn't really interfere at all with our writing process. I mean, as I said, when we're ready to write, we, we get together and sort of discuss it and maybe come up with a theme or something. Uh, and that, that didn't change at all. And of course, we all work remotely. So I will write music, Richard will write music. And in this case, Glyn was writing as well, or in the past, Steve was writing. And that's all written. And then we, we present to each other, just send them MP3 and, you know, maybe we will adjust things if they have some other ideas. But that's all done remotely. So I don't think that ever changed. The, the, the big thing for Threshold is the fact that we love playing live. And, and I think... To be fair, if we weren't able to play live any longer, it, it might even be the end of the band. Uh, although I love writing music, without that purpose of getting out there and presenting to people mm -hmm. and having that instant feedback, you know, whether they like it or don't like it, there's something about that that really keeps us going. We, we started that way, and it's yeah. something that we're, we're really inspired to do. And, um, yeah, I love writing new music, but it wouldn't be the same if there was no purpose to it. Um, absolutely absolutely yeah. i think i think from a from a fan's perspective i've been going to shows since i was 14 and it doesn't matter if you're in a tiny little uh, dive bar venue or you're in the o2 mm -hmm. in london when the yeah. lights go down just before the band hits on that is the pure instant magic for a yeah. fan so yeah. i can only uh, say exactly sort of how you feel about yeah. that as well again it's just that pure energy of well even you if you get shows. you know Every tour, there'll be, if you're on a long enough tour, every tour you'll find one gig where you turn up and you think, where the hell is this place? And, you get <laughs> and there'll be like sort of 50 people or something. And what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Who booked yeah. this? And yeah, uh, there'll always be one of those, whether it's our band or my friends, all the people we play. And, and funnily enough, some of those gigs have been some of the best ever shows we've played. You know, just there's that, there's a, that Dunkirk spirit or something, you know, that sort mm -hmm. of develops and uh, against the odds and you develop a bond with the crowd and, and, and sometimes they can be really amazing shows. I mean, my, my wife always talks about, um, she went to, um, she likes a, a prog band that I know, uh, friends with, which is called Pendragon. And um, she went to a show once uh, and there were only 30 people there. For and sure. she said they, they kind of came onto stage and it looked like it was going to be, you know, this kind of really awkward situation. But she said it's yeah. one of the best things she's ever seen. You know, this yeah. sort of bond between the band and the crowd developed and, uh, Often that's the case. So it's just this case of playing live and it's uh, you never know what to expect. And that, that's the excitement, you know, that you go forward with. Absolutely. You're an incredibly hands on uh, musician, both obviously musically in the band, but as well as obviously producing, engineering, mixing and things like that. How do you mm -hmm. how do you find kind of doing that yourself? And how is how has things changed since the early days and how has production techniques and things kind of moved forward? And, and how do you find things nowadays? Um, well, I, I essentially left um, college and I went and got a job in um, local government and I was working okay. in Westminster. Um, and I, I, I kind of enjoyed that because I was working on arts and recreation. But at some point I was starting to play music a lot more. And I just thought I want to do something that means something by the time I'm finished instead of sitting in this office for another 40 years or something. Yeah. I, I just sort of started... Um, started that way and got more and more into what I was doing and um sorry I forgot I forgot the question there no it was it was just kind of, it was just kind of um on, on the basis of uh, obviously you're a very hands-on um person oh, yeah, in the band, yeah. but also being a producer as well yeah I mean I just sort of got into it that way and gradually sort of slid into the production side of it because I enjoyed that so much the technical side of things 
But really, I left that job because I just thought I'd be sitting in front of a, a desk and later a computer for my whole life. Yeah. And um, of course, it, when I first started, it was I had mixing desk and sort of digital audio, but it was on tape. And and then gradually it morphed into this computer job again to the point where I've now got a room at home, which is <laughs> quite a decent size. But I mean, at the same time, I'm sitting in front of a computer all day on my own, which is essentially yeah. what I wanted to avoid. But I, I'm... I'm still inspired by it because it's music I'm working on. And I, I always find, so even in the bands that are genres I might not like, I, I always find something I really like about a band. There's always something that's an inspiration that maybe you'll subconsciously take those ideas into your own music and develop something new. And, but um, I do love the job of music and um, it, it's just sort of um, stuck with me. And um, production has just uh, been something that it, you know, if I'm not working on my own music, I'm working on that. And, and the lines blur between the two to the point where I, I just always look forward to going to work, even even if I'm not going to the studio, if I'm just coming upstairs, you know, it's it's something I love to do still. For sure. So we, we've spoken about, a lot about playing live and things. So I've got a, what I've put in quotation marks as a fun question. And mm. what that is, what is the most important thing on your rider? What's something you can't live without? And not in a prima donna sense, because someone yeah. said just something you just go, that kind of needs to be there for me to be okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think it's absolutely guaranteed water has to be the one because um, it, <laughs> yeah, on our first fair. tour, it goes back to Wounded Land, but when, when we were on our first tour, we, we did an awful lot of drinking on the basis that we were a band from England. And when you do a gig in England, mm. you're lucky if you get, if they offer you a beer or a towel or anything, you know, just for sure. Whereas he got out to Germany and the first thing we were presented with was this kind of like American style fridges and yeah. the opening was full of beer and the bloke would come in and he'd say, <laughs> if you haven't finished that, I'll fill it up again for you. And we thought, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the, the plane went downhill at <laughs> some of the shows and we, we just discovered pretty quickly that we should really get our act together. <laughs> so, um, you know, the rule is sort of generally, I mean, yeah, not hard and fast, but generally we don't drink anything before we play because sure. our music isn't the, the simplest to play. <laughs> um, get into a right mess otherwise. So um, water is absolutely guaranteed because you, you dehydrate so much when you're, you're under lights and sort of playing. So that would be it. And of course, you know, after the show, we'll have, you know, some beer or some wine and take it on the bus and, you know, yeah. we'll have a great time and, uh, you know, enjoy ourselves. But, you know, that, that's absolutely necessary, you know for us absolutely do you do you remember the first record you ever purchased with your own money uh with my own money my goodness me probably not it blurs into one i've got a feeling it's um it's either it was either deep purple um Great come choice. taste the band come taste the band or else it was hall of notes which must seem a bit weird but I loved. I, I, um, I can't say I know that one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Daryl Hall was a singer that I really liked. It's, it's kind of soul music, really, but I, I really loved his vocal. And um, so it, it was one of those two. It was either Deep Purple or Hall of Notes, which are completely at the opposite end of the spectrum. But um, mm. And I would have been at school, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I always try and uh, pop that one in just in case I catch someone off guard and they're a secret, like a Kylie Minogue fan. Not that there's anything wrong with Kylie, but, you know, I it's don't always think just Hall of Notes like, far away from that though it's, it's kind of no. <laughs> but <laughs> Nothing I'm, I'm, threshold has always been based around um you know strong sense of um, melody and harmony and um of course you know R richard comes from a sort of pop background as well and you know uh, 
he loved things like Prince and Queen and those sorts of bands. And that, that's been something that we've taken into the, the sort of metal music. And, and I always remember when I was growing up, a lot of the um, metal bands, they, they were incredibly talented musicians, but I found that particularly soloing, it was all about scales and things in, in the 80s. Sure. And, um, and we always wanted to avoid that and, and always wanted to be more melodic in terms of the instrumentals. So there would be a more of an extension of the vocals rather than just to, you know, someone doing some exercises. And um, you know, that's something that's quite good to listen to pop music for that, get a good sense of melody. Mm. Absolutely. So you, obviously, I, I don't mean to make you feel old in any way, but um, you've been around the industry for a long time. <laughs> like, oh you don't need to do that. Don't worry. <laughs> Have you um, ever sort of bumped into your musical heroes along the way? And, and were, they, uh, were they what you expected? I don't know what I would have done. I mean, when I was growing up, I particularly liked um, guitarists like Dan Huff and Steve Lukather. I, I never bumped into them, but I did. I've worked with various people like uh, Don Airy, I particularly like from Deep Purple. I worked with him. I've worked with John Wetton, who was in Asia, which I knew at the time. And um, I've, I've mixed albums for Yes, which, I, you know, when I first started playing progressive music, I was interested in them. Um, very, I worked with Bob Catley, who was kind of in a good band at the time when I was growing up, you know. And various people that um, I can't think of all the ones I have. But, you know, it's, it's funny, as you get older, it's not quite the same yeah, obviously, I, I really appreciate the music they work with. It's a different feeling when you get older. Mm. Whereas if you bumped into them when you were a kid and just learning it, it would have been quite a different matter, I guess. Absolutely. I've had um, Bob on the on the pop, on the the podcast. He's an absolutely lovely, lovely chap, I have to say. Yeah, and he's, he's got he's got um, one of the, the most recordable voices uh, I'd, mm. I'd ever come across because he sings as if he's already been produced and EQ'd and, you know, compressed and... His voice is just absolute magic, you know, even even as he's got older, he's maybe got even better, you know, in terms of the tone, basically. So Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, he's still going, I think, in, in his 70s. I think he's still out there yes. playing live as well, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great I have, I have to kind of say a bit of a thank you in a, in a weird roundabout way. Um, because I was looking on the Wikipedia, and I hope this is correct, otherwise it's going to look really silly, but Am I right in saying that you've done the producing mixing for Dragon Force? Is that correct? I did uh, I did their, their demo that got them signed, and then I did the mm. first five studio albums. Five, five studio so, albums, a few, mm. a few live things as well. I did, I did all the albums with Zippy, and then I did one with uh, Mark, I think. So after that period of time, they moved on, and yeah. they, they didn't have a label any longer, and... Um, I think they were self-producing and they, they changed the, the way they worked. And uh, and uh, I think Herman and I got into a bit of hot water over producing one album because it went over over um, time scale by about three months or something. <laughs> we got into hot water. <laughs> Amazing. The, the manager the wasn't too impressed with us. And I, th I think that was the point where they said, right, we're going to change. And we moved on. <laughs> but I did five albums. So, um, yeah. And the, the, only reason, the only reason I say is because they were the first band I ever saw live, a very young 15-year-old version of myself. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah. In, in a roundabout way, you kind of helped me get into that musical journey. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they cover, they're not just power metal, they sort of cover into mm. progressive as well. So, yeah, of I mean, course, absolutely. And they're, they're brilliant melodies. So, I mean, mm. power metal bands are usually quite formulaic, but I, I always kind of enjoyed working with them because I, I think... That, Apart from being great guitarists, um, Sam and Herman, incredible. It was um, yeah. the, you know, their, their melodies were really great as well. They're, they're always thinking about 
you know, Sam particularly loved pop music again. So he had that genre that he loved dragging in, you know, sort of the, the great melodies from, and, um, and it worked really well. So it's made them stand out against other bands. So, uh, yeah, I was in, I enjoyed doing that. It's a lot of hard work with uh, Power Metal. There's a lot of notes, twice as many notes as a normal album at that speed, isn't it? So a lot Absolutely. of editing and fiddling around. So, uh, yeah, I did my time. Yeah, that, that's perfectly fair. That's perfectly fair. Um, I've got a couple of closing questions for you. Um, and one of those is what, made you want to be a musician and i know that's a really loaded question but it, it, when when you sort of first romanticized the idea of, of playing guitar playing music mm. what was kind of again you kind of answered the beginning but yeah kind of what what made you pick up a guitar as the instrument of choice if you like uh, and obviously well, keys as it, well. it wasn't really a romanticized sort of thing basically my grandmother was a pianist and she she started um, yeah along my parents sort of forced me into learning the piano, <laughs> as, as most children are. And um, yeah. I, had, I had lessons for quite a long time. And of course, that's coming very handy when I've done production now. Understanding harmony and melody and all those things, the chords and the way they're structured, it was really a, a blessing. So I played a little bit, not brilliantly, mm. but my my kind of rebellion was the fact I took guitar up instead. So yeah. I didn't particularly like it at the time until. Until I was 16, and a great friend of mine said, I've got a band, and I, I, you know, the bassist had left. I can't do anything about it. I've got a bass guitar. You're going to have to play a gig for me in two weeks. And I said, I don't play. <laughs> I play acoustic <laughs> guitar. That's it. So uh, he forced me to do it. And I was absolutely kind of, um, I was just stuck on it from there on. After that first gig we did, which I had to learn in two weeks, and I, I was pretty awful, but I got through it. I was absolutely addicted to sort of the playing live, really, which is what happened. And um, and then I was a bass player for more than the guitarist for something like uh, five or six years. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, um, I was in a band uh, which we were sort of signed to for a single, but we were just trying to put an album together and we couldn't get a guitarist. So I ended up moving across to guitar. Mm. and playing bass and guitar at the same time and then eventually just became a guitarist when I started Threshold so um, it all a bit like Threshold's record deal it, it sort of happens a little bit by accident not intentionally um, and just gradually developed and then of course you know uh, we just learned to love it more and more and it, that, that's the romantic side of it you know as it as it developed um, sure. because we were friends starting together in the band at the beginning that, yeah. that was the best thing about it. You know, we had a great time on our first few tours like that. And yeah, sadly, people drop out along the way because, you know, families and jobs and things like that. And, and uh, it's changed. But I just remember that beginning. That was the romantic side of it. You know, when we were friends and we were just suddenly thrust on a tour bus and, and going out and playing in front of the crowds and traveling around the world. And it, it was brilliant, you know. So uh, we did have that time, but it came later than you might imagine, you know. Mm. For sure. So 12, 12 albums out, you know, available in the world. If someone has never heard of Threshold, where would you point them in the direction to start? Yeah, you know, I'm biased. My favourite album is Subsurface. Um, that, that's where I like. But um, there, there is quite a common theme, not just lyrically, but um, when we look back, it just felt quite connected, this new album, Dividing Lines, to Subsurface. I mean... It, the, the new one, Dividing Lines, is kind of political commentary, you know, corruption, um, you know, post-truth, all these sorts of things, these subjects that we pulled together for a, a theme. And um, funnily enough, in 2004, we had a, not quite the same, but it, it had a leaning that way. Yeah. Um, 
you know, to, to subjects will become relevant a little bit later on, whereby, you know, a bit, a bit like gaslighting, where you, you try and uh, either overload people with information or you try to undermine their understanding of beliefs in what they know to be true. And um, these sort of subjects. And I think um, for me, those two albums are quite linked, this new one and Subsurface. So uh, they're my favourites. But I mean, people would tell you the point where Mac joined the band in 2001 for Hypothetical Onwards, which is where modern thresholds sort of developed. That's where, you know, the starting point is, I suppose, to the more modern albums. But yeah, everyone has their own favourites. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I recommend checking out all of them, to be fair. As so I've been a fan for a long time. Um, and I guess my final part in question is something I ask all my musicians, and I think I have a rough idea of the answer based on the conversation we've had. But that is simply, mm-hmm. what is the best thing about being in a band, playing live, you know, releasing records? What is the best thing for you? I think, I think it's that sort of... Um, that sense of camaraderie that you get when you're you're going out and um, you know it's the, the five of you heading out to wherever you might be going you know it could be anywhere and uh, and you just you meet up and it's the kind of thing that you only normally do when you're kids you go mm. away with, with your friends you know of course I've got I've got children and I've got a wife and I've got a you know a home and all these things to run <laughs> but Absolutely. you still can't to act like you're a kid and you go off with your friends and you, you play some great shows, you meet lots of interesting people, many that you, you even recognise for the first tour, amazingly enough. Yeah. And you get on a tour bus and go, and there's an adventure to be had, and you know you, you have some great times. Some nights you might have quite a few drinks, others you might not, And but it's all the things that you used to do when you were in your early 20s, which you can still do. And if I had a normal job, if I'd stayed with government, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And uh, I feel like I would be a different person. So uh, that's the best thing about it. Absolutely. I love that. And one final thing, is there anything you'd like to say to the people listening at home, your fans, your your people who listen to this podcast randomly and stumbled across you guys, anything you'd like to say to the people? Well, thanks for waiting so long. I mean, in our own defence, we actually finished the album in January, handed it over to the label because of these sort of pressing problems with vinyl and so on. It's been delayed Mm -hmm. until, until now, but... I just really hope, you know, one of the driving uh, factors for me behind writing and, and being in a band is to um, communicate to people that hopefully you have some common experience and shared, um, you know, emotions that, that link to the songs. And hopefully, you know, we can connect to people through either just through excitement of hearing the music or, or on an emotional level through the lyrics um, that with this new album, Dividing Lines, and, um, you know, hope they enjoy it and uh, we get to meet some of you on the tour absolutely um carl thank you so much for your time my friend it's it's been a genuine pleasure to sit down with you as i said um i i, I sort of stumbled across this this line of podcasting work and things um, yeah. and i get to have amazing conversations with, with fucking fantastic people like yourself um everyone needs to go check out dividing lines which is out now at the time of the podcast going out um and check out obviously all the other stuff that um the threshold is done yeah it's been a pleasure my friend thank you so much um that is pretty much it i want to say thank you for everyone listening and we will see you next time peace out everybody thank you